Hey, Jason. What is it? Hey, listen, um, can I ask you a question? You just did. Okay, can I ask you another question? And actually, can I ask you another question after the question I'm about to ask you after this one? And can you promise not to ask me why I'm asking you the question that I'm about to ask you after this one? Okay. Do you happen to know a good place where I can get a thumb? What do you mean? A, th a thumb drive? You, you, For you your computer? Said, you said you wouldn't ask any follow-up questions. I'm, oh, but I need clarification. A thumb from, like, a human. No, sure, let me check my junk drawer. It's turkey time. Huh? Gobble, gobble. Hi, everybody. Welcome to late... Oh, no, Jason. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we we sit down and have hard thinks about our life choices and and how we decide how to have fun. We should have watched this together, Steve. We really should have. We should have. I, I should have flown out there to you, or you should have flown over here to me, so we could have held each other's hand. And when I when I was watching it, I kept turning to where I thought you should be and saying, "Kill me now, kill me now." And <laughs> this on this show. We uh, take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or should have ended more careers than it did. Mm -hmm. The movie that we're going to be reviewing this week is that romantic comedy, Geely. 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 It's pronounced Geely. <laughs> I don't care how it's pronounced. I really don't. What do they kept calling him? Giggly? Giggly. Hilarious. That's how it's spelled. Thanks, thanks, Humphrey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Giggly. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia about this mistake I made? My friend do? And everyone else in the audience, do you, do you have? We're sorry. You have nothing to apologize for. You should be angry at me. You oh, really no, should. I, I could, oh, I could never be angry at you. I don't mean just you. I mean everybody. Oh, well, everybody else angry. can be angry at you if they want. Yeah. If any of you watched this movie in anticipation for this review, I am truly sorry. And I do, since you brought that up, I do want to, you know, clarify that if anybody listening is angry, they should be specifically angry at you, not at me, because I had nothing now, to do with it. Steve this. is blameless. Yeah. I am completely, for once, I am number, completely clean in this. Number one, I forgot that we did a Valentine's we do a Valentine's Day show. I wish I hadn't remembered that we do a Valentine's Day show. I don't think any of you guys out in the audience gave a shit that we missed the Valentine's Day show, but I did. And then I made an executive decision and said, we're going to, because I found out that Gili was supposed to be a romantic comedy. And so, hey, it's it's Valentine's. This is a romantic comedy. It's terrible for based on reputation. We should mm -hmm. we should verify that it is. Um, we've done that. Good night. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Bye, you know everybody. what it is? What? what it is is that no we we are you and i both 
as well as our audience. We are all victims of your integrity. That's what has happened here. I like that. Victims of my integrity. I like that. It means I have integrity and I get to hurt hurt people without feeling bad about it. You have integrity and you can use it to hurt people. (laughs) Kind of like Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Exactly like Jean-Luc Picard. Every time he he goes and hides behind Starfleet rules. So no, much integrity, so no, much hurting. Dita, we can't help that little girl who you've been talking to on the radio. Because Sorry, of against rules. the rules. <laughs> it's against the rules. Sorry, I told you to hang up on her, Mr. Data. Why are you still talking to her? <laughs> it's against the rules. Mm-hmm. Like he's a manager at a DMV office. <laughs> Please stay behind the lines. <laughs> Your the line is not cold. The line is run here. No further. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh shit! You, hey guys, remember the old sand? But what we've always warned you about is if we start veering into Star Trek bullshit, we, we don't even... want <laughs> to review this movie. I haven't even done the trivia yet. We're already doing Star Trek riffs because That's it's right. just that bad. Oh my god, Steve! Yes, do you have any trivia for this? steaming pile of dog shit that we just watched i do now i hope it's okay that all of my trivia is about how bad the movie is i don't think it'll be surprising anybody i hope that's okay for some reason that was the the easiest kind of trivia to find about this movie when did you only have to type in gig and you just got (laughs) and then google popped up and said are you okay are you sure you want to finish that did you know that Gili was the movie that uh, almost made Roger Ebert quit film? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so Gili opened in 2,215 theaters in the United States. Mm-hmm. By its third weekend, it was being shown in 73 theaters. <laughs> Which is a 97% drop, which is the largest percentage drop in number of theaters from week one to week three mm-hmm. ever. Was that it I one of those still a record? Was it one of those burn the prince movies? There have been movies oh. that have been sent to theaters where they literally told the the the, the, the theaters just <laughs> just burn the prince. We you don't can't... want this back. They can't throw them because of copyright and all this other bullshit. They can't really just put it in the in the garbage because someone could pull because somebody could get it. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But they have occasionally told them just burn them, burn the prints, just do it. I'm wondering if that's it or the 73 that know. was still showing Geely probably just lost the box to return it in. <laughs> They're like, I guess we should do. We might as well show it. <laughs> And not only that, this is my favorite little detail about this particular trivia item. So 97% drop from week one to week three in the U.S. From week one to week two in the U.K., Mm -hmm. the percentage drop was 100%. (laughs) The film only ran in U.K. theaters for one week. Oh, my God. And then every single theater playing it dropped it. So... (laughs) <sighs> well, it was just misunderstood. Yeah, that's it. Was, it. It's it, it just needs to be reevaluated. It was ahead of its time. Sure. Gili will find its audience after, you know, 
society collapses and it's the only thing that people can <laughs> can watch on the wall of a cave when eating, it's the only surviving eating people from a neighboring tribe that's well and then eventually and then eventually human society will become like one of those star trek episodes where like the colony of aliens rebuilds themselves after like you know they find a book about gangsters and they become like a gangster planet so this will be the Gili planet because Gili oh is the God. only thing they have left okay that was great trivia see it'll Thanks. just be people talking in long pointless soliloquies um so we talked about this a little bit earlier in the uh in, in the pre-show but uh, this the writer and director of this movie uh martin breast wanted it to be a straightforward mob movie mm -hmm. and then the studio insisted that it be rewritten into a romantic comedy after they cast ben affleck and jennifer lopez as the leads because ben affleck and jennifer lopez were a real life couple and the Actually, studio was people like people were pretty sick of them by the time this movie came out that yeah i i think if anything that was it worked against it but uh yeah, but the studio was like, they're both movie stars and they're in love. So the movie should be about them being in love. So um, Martin Brest was not happy about that, but he did it. And the, ex the experience of making the film was so negative and the film itself was such a bomb that Martin Brest never made another film. Stop stealing he, from my segment. He He's quit. stealing from he my quit. segment. I know I he know, quit. There, I, there was something. Now, listen, I, I let you have one, okay? Because I thought about this. There was another There's another piece of trivia that I wanted to mention, but I'm going to wait for you to mention it because you always mention stuff like this, and I know you will, and then, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll get to it there. So, um, Haven't we been through enough that we have to fight over this? I don't want to we fight have with to, you. I don't want to fight with you either. We need to stick together. It's not yeah. we you and I, we are not the enemy. Gili is the enemy. Gili is the is one that hurts us. Gili is the one that causes pain. I want to know who's responsible for it. That's what I want to okay. know. Okay. Okay. Um, two more pieces of trivia. Okay. Make, and then go. you can tell us and then you can tell us who is responsible for it. <laughs> Um, okay, so because the studio demanded so many reasons, I literally feel like yeah. Daffy Duck at the end of Duck Amuck. I demand to know who's responsible for this. <laughs> oh, Bugs Bunny didn't write this shit. <laughs> it would have been a lot punchier if Bugs had written this. Trust me. Um, so the because the studio demanded so many rewrites, the mm -hmm. budget of the movie actually grew by 20 million dollars during production it went from a 54 million dollar budget to a 75 million dollar budget mm -hmm. um, and despite having a budget of that size nearly half the film takes place in Gili's apartment yep which is a set on a soundstage mm -hmm. so how did it end up costing 75 million dollars I have no fucking idea I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna throw out the idea that this was a way to launder money it very well may have been. That's the most reasonable explanation I've heard yet. Hey, gang, if you heard that there was a really, really expensive movie and, uh, you know, it didn't make its money back and you watched it and it barely seemed like a film, maybe you should think <laughs> maybe someone's trying to wash some cocaine money because exactly. if you honestly think Hollywood would never do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. They wouldn't. Sure. They no, would. never. Right, franchise pictures. Anyway, was, was Don Simpson involved with this? No, he was dead by this point. Um, okay, last bit of trivia. Last I know bit. You, I know you. I know you love the award show trivia. You already so stole from just out of my budget part. So. I apologize. Well, people will forget about it by the time you get to <laughs> I, it. I apologize. Yeah. Okay. okay what? Yeah, um, I know you don't. Okay. So 
this was the first film to sweep the top five categories at the Razzie Awards. The Razzie Awards. It's it's so bad, it's surprising it didn't win some Golden Globes. But... um, No, it, it it swept the top five at the Razzies. So it won Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Actress, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Director. It is the one flew over the cuckoo's nest of bad movies. Yay. There you go. You done? I'm done. All right. Here's who's responsible for this. It was directed, written, and produced by Martin Brest. Oh, Martin. Yeah. You know, Martin's had some hit movies. He directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, Beverly Hills Cop. And one of my favorite movies ever, Midnight Run. Um, He also directed Scent of a Woman, which can burn. Just go away. Which which was a hit. I don't give a shit. You can say that about it. (laughs) I don't care if it was a hit. Um, So he's done a lot. But then after this movie, he never made it. He hasn't made another movie since. I think he's still alive. Well, that I just actually I just looked it up. This is the interesting thing. So this Gili came out twenty years ago. Martin yep. Brest, Martin Brest today is seventy one. Yes. So he was only in his fifties when this movie, his early fifties when this movie came out. So That's he, right. it's not it's not like well he was an old man anyway and he was about to retire. No, he he probably would have continued to make films up until today. He just until this. stopped. Yeah, he yeah, just stopped. he was like. Nope, I'm, I'm done. He went on a Forrest Gump walking tour of the United States, apologizing to every person he run, ran into. That's all he does now. <laughs> That's his job. If he sees somebody at a diner or Denny's or something hunched over, nursing a cup of coffee that's two hours old, and he's just muttering directly into his lap, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Give him a pat on the back and a dollar, just yeah. so you know you've done, you it, know. He's he's done his time. It's been long that's enough. Right. You know, and he's after- done his time. And after this, he has hell to look forward to. Anyway, <laughs> it was also produced by Casey Silver. And Casey's produced things like Schindler's List and Apollo 13 and Jurassic oh, wow. Park and a ton of other movies that made money. Boy, this and... is a splash of cold water in the face, isn't it? <laughs> after that list. Oh, my God. Starring Ben Affleck as Larry Gigli. And we all know Ben Affleck as someone who maybe shouldn't have had an acting career. I've never been a fan. I've never been a fan. I've seen him in lots of stuff and I've never gone, wow, what a great acting performance. Between (laughs) him and Matt Damon, we all knew where the talent was. Oh, Damon is a better actor. Yeah, I agree. Damon is a better actor. I agree. But come on, Chasing Amy. You got to give him Chasing Amy. Although I do have to say he was good in The Last Duel. Did you see The Last Duel? I haven't seen that. You you told me about it, but I haven't seen it. But you mentioned that he was good in it. Yeah, Yeah, he was good in it. I mean, when he's not having to play some guy from the East Coast or magic heterosexual man that can convert lesbians into straight people. Um, He's, you know, he can turn in a good performance every once in a while. Um, He's managed to crawl his way back up several times. He's, I think he needs to do it again here pretty soon. Um, Well, he's got the Michael Jordan movie coming out. He, he, uh, about the creation of air Jordans. He directed that. Okay, good. He's a better director than he is an actor. He is. He's actually a surprisingly good director. He's a all very of the movies good director. I've, all of the movies he's directed that I've seen have been good to very good. So mm-hmm. I 
Yeah. Jennifer Lopez is Ricky slash Rochelle. We all know the classic Jennifer Lopez movies that were so great. Steve, name your favorite Jennifer Lopez movie that was so great. Oh, well, that's easy because there's really only one movie that she stars in that I genuinely thought was great, and that's Out of Sight. It, wait, I never even saw that. Oh, you never saw Out of Sight with George Clooney? No. no. Directed by Steven Soderbergh? No. Very good. It's very okay. Good. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And see, the problem was I read the poster and it said Jennifer Lopez. And I oh. went, no, I don't need to see that. I can't do that. I don't need <laughs> to see it. <laughs> what was her, her breakout movie was the, whatchamacallit, Selena? No. Oh, yeah, remember. yeah, yeah. And then it was all downhill from there. And they're back together. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Isn't that nice? And they're we're reviewing married. this movie, and now they've gotten yeah. back together. And it's the circle is the circle is complete. And since I hacked the internet and got his got his uh, his uh, <laughs> email, I'm going to send this to him, and then they'll break oh, up. I'll break up again, and it'll be my fault. Remember, Zeely, what are you doing? Justin Bartha as an embarrassment to his career, and I hope he never lives it down. Oh, Oops, I mean, yeah. as as Brian, and he's as, been in movies. Yeah. As one of many, many miscalculations in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I mean, he was in the National Treasure, Treasure movies and um, the Hangover films. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Elaine Kazan as Mrs. Gili, playing the same character she plays in every movie she's ever been in. Like, you know, uh, my big fat Greek wedding yeah. or my favorite year or pick one because she's always playing the same the same character. Al Pacino yeah. as what the fuck as one what? scene. <laughs> There's two of them in here like that. that's true. They're, 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 um, they're, they're, you're, you're coming up on another one here in, in a minute. Yeah. Al Pacino was Starkman, you know, that Italian mob boss name Starkman. <laughs> Boss Starkman from the Starkman family. Don Starkman. Don Starkman. That is the name of someone who sells Winnebago's. That is not, I am Don Starkman. Come on down to Winnebago's. Don Starkman. Now with 30% less mildew. Um, Al Pacino, for whatever reason, <laughs> and I don't need to tell you who he is, Lenny Venito as Lewis. And he's been in, I think it was in Men in Black 3. He was Men in Black and he and does some TV he stuff. He was in War of the Worlds briefly. He's the car mechanic at the very beginning. Nothing major. He's a recognizable face. but yeah. Christopher Walken as what the fuck? <laughs> as other guy who shows up for one scene and it's never seen again. As Detective Stanley Jacob Jacobolis. Jack Jacobellis. I don't care. Yeah, I guess yeah, Jacobellis. I don't know. Who what does he shit? do? Almost nothing. He does almost nothing in this. He shows up, he only has to impart one bit of information, and that's it. But they yep. gave him 15 minutes of screen time to do it. It's such a long scene, and I so know. little happens in it. Mm -hmm. Missy Kreider as holy shit. Really? I thought it was bad enough with the whole, hey, let's capture this guy with obvious mental disabilities. Yeah. But then they had to go and get, hey, let's get psychotic lesbian in it, too. That's yeah. funny. That's funny, huh? 
she's she's in this movie for five minutes and then slits her wrists. And I guess we're supposed to think that's funny. Although, I, I mean, I have to say, I don't think it's funny at all, but I do understand. I mean, if I was in Gili. <laughs> and Terrence Camilleri as Man in Dryer. And you know him better as... <laughs> You know him better as Napoleon from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Ugh. Cinematography by Ro- Robert Elstwit. 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 Cinematography. He's also worked on King Richard, the movie that just came out like last year or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And There Will Be Blood. Whew. Now, here's the thing. These movies... This came out around out at around the same time, right? There will be Bud came out in the early aughts. This came, came out, out in like two thousand eight. This was two thousand three. So was, five, yeah, five, was, five or six be, years different. So he managed to crawl back up, didn't he? Yes, yes, he, yes, he did. And obviously, he has he's he's talented because you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. yeah. So good for you, Robert. Edited by Julie Monroe, who's done things like JFK and The Patriot. And Billy Weber, who's edited things like The Thin Red Line, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and Batman Returns. That is a diverse resume. My God. Someone watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure for the return of Malik to film after 20 years. (laughs) You know who should edit this? The guy who edited Pee-wee's Big Adventure. (laughs) The Thin Red Line was like Malik's first film in 20 years. Oh, yeah. And he sat down and go, okay, show me the work of this. Show me the work of this Billy Weber guy. And it's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And Malik probably laughed his ass off. Being a genius (laughs) went, I want him. I want him. That one. (laughs) Music by John Powell. And uh, he did the music for Face Off and a lot of animated movies, just tons of animated movies. And uh, Solo. Uh, honestly, hearing the score in, in, in this movie, it doesn't surprise me that he did a lot it of It feels like an because... a late, number one, it feels like a late 80s score. Yes. It really does. And yes. yeah, it's not surprising that he's done a lot of animated movies, but we know of many, many composers who do both animated movies and movies with real living people in them. And they do a great job on either. Oh, absolutely. And I, this, is an, this is an example, I mean, to get into a point that I'm going to make when we get to the end and we're doing our reviews. I mean, I don't necessarily think, I don't think the score of this movie is good, but no. I don't think it's necessarily the composer's fault because the material is so awful that I feel like like there's there's time like the the mu- the music is kind of functioning like a laugh mm-hmm. track in a sitcom where like if something funny is supposed to be happening happening the music gets funny to tell us mm-hmm. that it's funny because we can't tell otherwise because it's not funny and when mm-hmm. something is supposed to be serious or something is supposed to be like poetic and meaningful like the music comes on really strong mm-hmm. because there's no other way we'll get it. <laughs> because it's not whatever it's supposed to be it's just not so the music is trying to tell us no listen this is the serious part pay attention production companies columbia pictures revolution studios casey silver productions and city light films hey guys he i think we've brought it up before but we're going to bring it up again as a general rule, when a production company sees a script and sees the potential of that script to make them lots of money, they fund it all. They put yeah. all of their money into it. 
when you get a script and you're not sure if it's going to make any money and you really don't know what to do with it and you're kind of hemming and hawing as to whether or not you want to put all of the money into it, you say, we'll fund it for this much. And then right. they have to shop it around until they find other studios that are willing to put in money. And that's this case, four. Columbia, which probably had all the money, and then Revolution Studios, Casey Silver Productions, and City Light provided the rest of the money. None of them should have put any of the money in it, and they should have told them to go fuck off. And and by the yeah. way, we're, we're concerned about you, Martin, and we want you to have a long career. Maybe not make it. Maybe, Maybe not don't make release it. it. Don't let them don't let them show this movie to anyone. And he's like, oh, what's the problem with it? The, these first three words in the script, that's the, it starts there and it gets worse as you as you go forward. So just don't don't make it. Just well, who are you thinking about <laughs> casting it? Oh, you know, Ben Affleck. Just yeah. Um, just don't don't do this. Don't, don't do, do this. this. Distributed by Sony Pictures releasing release date, August 1st, 2003. Running time, 121 goddamn minutes. Yeah, too long. <laughs> Budget seventy five point six million dollars, adjusted for inflation, a hundred and twenty two point nine. Hey, Steve, how yeah. much money did it cost at around this time to make the Lord of the Rings, the oh, first you, movie? You would probably know that better than I. How much around was a, it? Around one hundred and eleven million dollars. <laughs> So you're saying the first Lord of the Rings movie, one of the one, one of the one of the great the, epic films of the, of the time period, only which, cost about thirty million dollars more to make. Where almost every shot than Geely has a special location effects, and has a special, has special effects, effects yeah. element to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Geely was about you know all, not quite half its budget, but getting there. Box office. Wow. Seven point two million dollars adjusted for inflation, eleven point seven. That cinched it. It was never. I mean, even if it was, oh, this is a misunderstood film. Nobody. I mean, word of yeah. mouth killed it quick. When right? the box office gross is less than ten percent of the budget, that's a sign that the film was not accepted by the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. That was a great show, Steve. Thank you. Oh, are we done? We're done. We're not doing I don't, it. I, I, I don't know, man. I think we should talk about what happens in the movie. Okay. Well, I'd read from my notes, but my tears have washed away all the ink. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you tried, you tried to record some, you know, vocally, but it was just screams and shrieks and sobs. So, I mean, Jesus Christ. How can it have a budget like that? It was shot in Los Angeles. It's for fuck's sake. I have. It's one of the most baffling things about it is because oh, and, and you, you know, it, when you pointed out, like how many production companies were involved mm -hmm. most of the time, like if you go, if you go see like a, a big budget, like a big blockbuster movie, you know, like a superhero movie or a big tentpole production with a bunch of movie stars in it it's not unusual to see three or four production companies attached to it but it's probably like a 200 million dollar movie oh it's huge it's a huge you budget. know it's mm -hmm. it's a massive budget so you can kind of understand like well you know they spread it around or there's but, other I mean, people that wanted to invest in it but with if a you're movie one of like the this, smaller if you're one of the smaller production companies you kicked in 13 million you're gonna get yeah. maybe twice that back it's an Which investment. Yeah, it's an investment. Yeah. But for for a movie like this, where I mean, seven like seventy five million is a ridiculously huge budget for this movie. But it's not like 
an eye popping budget for a movie now, for a Hollywood movie nowadays. Like you wouldn't see the, not knowing anything else about the movie, you wouldn't see 75 million and go, Holy shit. It's not that mm -hmm. big of a budget. So to have all these production companies attached for a budget that is not like an eye poppingly huge budget that also, like you said, it's, it maybe speaks to the fact that the studio wasn't super confident in it and wanted to kind of spread it around. Yeah. I hate it. I don't want to go it's into the world. I don't want to go. <sighs> Why why is the Italian mob even in LA? Why is it set in LA? Why are we know. there? I don't know. Why does the mob employ a super sexy lady as cleanup crew? What, what when did that happen? When did the mob employ women ever? Right? I don't I, you can't you can't and be made it, if and I if mean, and if she's really and if she's as good at her job as she supposedly is, why not just give her the job? Why hire what job? At all? Her sitting around reading a book and doing yoga? Is that her job? It's hard work. Because that's all I see her do. It's hard work. And don't forget all the wonderful speeches she gives. Oh yeah. Especially those kids in the restaurant. I can't yeah. do Such a, this. That, that, that memorable scene. I can't do this, Steve. I can't. All right, let's we can we, we listen, we can, we can hold, do this. Hold me, motherfucker, yes. before we you. go in there. Good. Now I've got put the you. blind put the blindfold on me and, and let's go. <laughs> let's, let's go we're gonna we're gonna do this we're, we're gonna, gonna do this we're, we're gonna do this you and me going to the world of Gili, steve let's make yeah. this as short as possible it shouldn't oh be too hard because a whole lot of nothing happens yeah that's true isn't it we open <sighs> and and ben affleck is staring at us yeah he's telling us a story that doesn't really have a point and goes no. on way too long. Get used to that. Um, <laughs> he's actually he's talking to the camera, but he's actually talking to this guy in a laundromat that he has mm -hmm. stuffed into a a, a, a washing machine or a dryer. Yeah. yeah, and this is of course Ben Affleck. He this is Larry Gigli, and he's kind of like a low level mob enforcer, kind of like Rocky was in the first Rocky movie. Yeah, he's the he's guy that they send. He's, yeah, he's yeah. wearing a he's, bowling he, shirt and a leather jacket yeah. in L.A. He's He's the guy that they send to collect the money when somebody is late on a payment and owes mm -hmm. somebody money. He's the guy who goes to get the money. So this guy stuffed into the dryer owes Lewis, uh, Gili's boss, some money. So mm -hmm. he, he says, all right, I have some money. I'll give. So Gili gets half of what the guy owes to Lewis and he goes, he finds Lewis. Um, and Lewis is like out on the street yelling at somebody and Gili yeah, shows uh, up. Let me ask you a real yeah. quick question. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the mob, right? Apparently so, yes. And the mob does business on the street in broad daylight in broad in Los daylight Angeles. Yes. with dozens of people walking past them and sure. people sitting at a restaurant. Yeah. I wasn't even sure if they got a permit to shoot this scene, but <laughs> but that's how they conduct business is openly talk about gangster stuff. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what uh, that's what we're that's what we're being shown in the film, yes. So, Damn. so, so Gili shows up to Lewis and we get the first instance of somebody mispronouncing his name so that Larry can go. Actually, it's pronounced but actually. Gili. Oh, I'm sorry. Fuck face. No, it's, it's, it's Gili. Oh, I I'm, I'm sorry. Dick burger. What's, how do you pronounce it again? Gili. Gili. It rhymes okay, with really, as in really, you decided to make this movie. <laughs> you read this script and said, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and but so Lewis has a he has a new job for Gili. Yeah, yeah. Which he, yeah, 
what's the job? I don't care. Who cares? What's the job? It doesn't matter. Well, and, and he does such a bad job of explaining it because every character in this movie talks way too much mm-hmm. to the point that what they're trying to say becomes clouded and lost. And it's because like, what Martin, was that even about? Because Martin Brest thinks that he can write Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's yeah, most does. of that's most of this movie. That's him thinking pretty much I the can, entire movie. Yeah, I can write Quentin Tarantino dialogue. So and, when you when you, when you cut through the horse shit of the terrible <laughs> of the of the of the terrible meandering way too long speech that Lewis has to explain what Geely's next job is, the basic mm-hmm. idea is one of the big mob bosses from back in New York is being prosecuted by a guy here in L.A. Mm-hmm. So Lewis's idea is it turns out that this prosecutor has a younger brother who is developmentally disabled, who is living in like a group home nearby. So he wants Gili to abduct this younger brother and hold him hostage. Which he says on a street, probably yeah, with, in FBI, of- <laughs> with FBI surveillance cameras on him the entire right. time. Exactly. And the idea is we'll hold his we'll hold his 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 younger brother, Brian, hostage until he decides to just drop the charges against the mob boss, because, you know, mm-hmm. that's how that works. And so Gili says, OK, and he <laughs> just walks into this care facility. I guess he doesn't yep. sign his name. The care facility not. has nope. zero cameras anywhere, not in the lobby, not anywhere else. And he just walks in and also and, apparently no staff because it's one of the other residents who walks him into the the common room where brian is there's not a nurse in sight there's not mm-hmm. a doctor's aide in sight there's not mm-hmm. a staff member anywhere it's and and yeah basically Gili just walks up to the table where this kid brian is sitting talks to him for a minute says hey you're coming with me come on let's go now i have a slight problem because it's this big common area and it is filled with people with actual um uh disabilities yes and considering how they treat this character, this Brian character that we're about to meet, which is thoroughly exploitative and thoroughly just it's it is so terrible. It's awful. Yeah, I, I'm like, well, congratulations. You actually have some people with disabilities in the movie. Right. That features a person with disabilities. I, I guess we should pat you on the back for that. You know? Yeah. I, Good for you. Or maybe you shouldn't remind us that people with disabilities are real people, that they live lives. They're just not a fucking prop in your stupid goddamn romantic comedy that apparently nobody wanted to make. Or at least, I mean, I understand Martin Bress had a very different, but I'm wondering how different this movie was. Was it set yeah. on the East Coast? Did it still have a person with disabilities? It was like, yeah, I want to make Goodfellas meets Rain Man. And you're like, yeah. why? <laughs> why would you? Why? Why is that the elevator pitch? Why? Why? Why are you talking to me about that movie? I'm never mm-hmm. going to want to make that movie. But Geely walks up and he meets Brian and Brian is the younger brother of the prosecutor. And he has undeclared mental problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm assuming that it's severe autism. That's what I'm assuming. That seems to be what he's sort of playing. Even though Brian at some point says that he has brain damage. He mentions that he has brain damage, but, but, but he, he also jokes about things. So you're not sure if he's just saying that because he Mm -hmm. thinks it's funny or, or like maybe other people have said that to him and he kind of picked it up or if that's what we're meant to think is actually his deal. But yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Regardless, they, we have this extraordinarily long scene where we find out that not only does he have autism, but apparently Tourette's because he just shouts things. Yeah. And he finds out that 
Brian likes the Baywatch. The Baywatch. And he wants to go to the Baywatch. A TV show that ended production two years prior to this movie yes. coming out. He, he likes the classics. He enjoys the classics. I, I guess. But Brian apparently thinks that Baywatch is real. And Gili, being a piece of shit scumbag that he is, convinces him that he'll take him to go see the Baywatch. Right. 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 That's how he gets him to come with him. Yeah. So now we cut to them in the car. And he pretends to get a telephone call and he reaches into his glove box and puts a flashlight up against his ear and pretends to be talking to someone on the phone, which Brian believes because people with mental disorders are idiots. And he he tells him, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Baywatch is is closed today. We'll go tomorrow. And he's a little upset about that. Then. He takes out his cell phone and holds it up to his ear. Yeah, and I'm he like, has a phone. Wait a minute. Why didn't you just pretend to use your cell phone? You stupid sack of shit. I thought the same thing, Jason. But then do you know what I realized? The reason what? that he talks on the flashlight instead of the phone is because that's not funny. Oh, okay. Then they did it. Congratulations, yeah. movie. Yeah. You they did said, it. let's have him do something that's like just inexplicable and also completely not funny and that's why they did the flashlight gag. it made me think is that a joke was that a joke in the movie that he uses a flashlight and then immediately uses his phone I, are we so su- yeah. are we supposed to go ha, ha 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 i mean here's here's the sad part if it is it's the smartest joke in the movie <laughs> that's the really sad part mm-hmm. so instead of taking brian to an abandoned warehouse and tying him to a chair like the mob would do. He takes him <laughs> where, Steve? To his apartment. To his home. Great. He, Larry, Larry takes Brian to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Yes. He starts losing patience with Brian, which are difficult scenes to watch because they're not funny. They're, they're not, not funny. funny. Watching no. this, watching Ben Affleck start getting frustrated with him. And then mere minutes after their home who walks in well uh there's a knock at the door and he Mm -hmm. opens it and there's jennifer lopez yeah wearing a bare midriff shirt and low-cut jeans like all people who work for the mob do like people do yeah and her name is ricky and she says that she was also called by lewis to help out with the brian thing because lewis assumed that geely would screw it up so why did Lewis give the job to Gili in the first place? Now that is an excellent question. And not just give it to her, since apparently that, yeah. she's super competent? Apparently. Who knows? Anyway, he calls Lewis and whines and pee-pees in his pants that, you know, he got this super hot lady who came from nowhere, who for, does something for yeah. the mob. What does she do? I, I, I don't know. And then they have a whole lot of meaningless conversations. Brian interrupts him. Gili yells at him and then slams him up against a wall and starts saying things like, you know, I know you can understand me, blah, 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 blah. Hilarious. Yeah. Just jokes after jokes upon jokes. Just then we cut to dinner where Ben Affleck, where Gili explains to Ricky that he's the bull and she's a cow get it yeah yeah because every relationship is like that and uh, brian doesn't want to eat he yells at him some more then he reads brian a bedtime story not really he reads what does he read he reads it's the ingredients on the tabasco bottle isn't it funny uh he reads it to him like a bedtime story Uh uh but because (laughs) brian's sleeping on the couch 
they've got to sleep in the same bed. Yeah. And then we get this hilarious scene of Ben Affleck in the bathroom talking to himself in the mirror and like psyching in, himself up to go out there and get laid. Like in Pulp Fiction. Oh, right? is that what it's like? I didn't think about that scene at all. <laughs> that much better, funnier scene in the other earlier, much better movie. Uh-huh. And oh, then he I tries to reminded of that. hit on her. She shuts him down. The next morning, we get to watch uh, Ben Affleck abuse Brian some more because apparently that's hilarious. And mm-hmm. then um, a cop shows up. Apparently, well, that's what we're told. Why? It seems like Christopher Walken just stopped by on his break from filming <laughs> that fucking music video where he dances <laughs> and flies around because oh, it's yeah. the exact same costume. Yeah. But uh, yeah. He is kind of wearing the same suit. It's the same outfit. It's the same hairstyle. It's like, you know. And he takes 20 minutes to impart one bit of information, which is that Brian is, what was it? Oh, that the person that he kidnapped is, because Lewis never mentions anything about who the person is or what this is all involved in. And it turns out that he's the younger brother of a federal prosecutor. Of the prosecutor, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And nothing happens, you know, yeah, nothing he, happens. I, they, they kind of I think they're trying to kind of tease through Walken's performance that he suspects that Geely mm-hmm. knows more than he's letting on. But it doesn't matter because that never comes up again. And never. He, never Walken comes up leave, again. He, he walks out of the movie and we never see him again. Yeah. They were like, fill 15 minutes. Yeah. With and something up, about pie. And there's, <laughs> and there's never any there's never any tension as to whether or not Geely and Ricky will get caught with Brian. There's never any like the cops are almost on their on them and are going to catch him or another mm-hmm. or like a rival mob gang. There's there, there's 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 no suspense. There's no tension. No. In any way about no, anything. It's, it's just him getting upset again. Right. They yeah. they're going to take Brian out to get something to eat. He fakes another telephone call on the flashlight. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Then what happens at the restaurant? Oh well, there's some some young punks on on the other side because they're 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 at like a like an outdoor like a hot dog stand or something, and there's a bunch of like young teenagers with their music and their loud talk, and they're like over there playing their boombox like teenagers do, and and Gili <laughs> is like, hey, turn off the fucking music, and the teenagers completely blow him off as they should yeah. because he's totally unthreatening, and why would you take him seriously? Mm-hmm. So then uh, Ricky says, let me handle this. And then she goes up to the lead teen and convinces him to shut off the music by like just absolutely boring the poor kid to tears. Mm-hmm. And giving everyone with, a fucking stay yeah. in school talk or some bullshit. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. And she walks away in her miniskirt because, of course, she's dressed for action in case yeah. the cops catch on to her tactical um, gear. Exactly. Hey, yeah. Steve, is Jennifer Lopez yes. built for that kind of scene? Nope. No. Does she have the really. acting chops to pull off that kind of scene? Nope. Not really. No. I mean, and the other thing is, the other problem that we, we keep running into is it's a lot of telling but not showing because it's it's strongly implied that her character is supposed to be some kind of badass. Mm-hmm. We never see her do anything remotely bad. The only thing, the only thing physical we see her doing is yoga. That's it. That's it. That's it. We she don't see her do anything that eat, she doesn't no. beat anybody up. She doesn't Nothing. seem to be terribly smart about anything. 
She doesn't right? even do, they don't even have a scene where she does like a move on Geely just to, you know, cause like he, cause he is such an asshole to her in the first half of the movie. They could have easily had a scene where she just like throws She's him up asshole. against a wall or like, you know, they, there's mm -hmm. nothing, nothing. He's an asshole to everybody. Yeah, he is. He, he, <laughs> yeah, that, that's his character trait. He's mm -hmm. just a big, dumb asshole to everybody. So we're now 48 minutes into the movie and Geely gets a call and he's got to go to his mom's house to shoot insulin into her butt yep 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 oh, and so that she happens gets, she gets to, to meet ricky and um brian, that's it because mm -hmm. he because brian ha brian has to use the bathroom so they come in to the house and geely's mom is like is this your girlfriend and oh, he's like nah she's uh, a rug muncher mom because uh -huh. she's we didn't mention she ricky ricky is 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 gay that's why she didn't sleep with yeah. geely that night yeah because, i was trying to avoid you know, that whole part of it he's, but... yeah and he's like yeah she doesn't like cock mom she's a rug muncher mm -hmm. she's a lesbo mom and and the mom is like well maybe not though keep an open mind because mm -hmm. that's how that works <laughs> and then his mom's out of the movie for the rest of it <sighs> yeah again another character a lot of one does, character scenes does nothing we cut cut back to the apartment brian has been doing these phone calls to a weather service mm -hmm. and yeah. Sheely's like, why, why are you doing this? And it's supposed to be this tender scene where we learn more about Brian and Brian says, I call because I like the sound of that lady's voice of her voice. Cause she's, mm -hmm. she, it's the weather from Australia and she has an Australian accent. Mm -hmm. Cut to another long, long, long scene of uh, Jesus, Jennifer Lopez doing yoga. Doing yoga and pontificating about shit that apparently everybody who made the movie thought was really interesting and really profound. And there's just like mm -hmm. nothing here. There's and nothing it goes going on, on forever. Mm -hmm. But uh oh, Brian's on the phone and who calls the house? It's Lewis. Uh oh, he has he has another request. It's time it's time to kick this plan up a notch. There hasn't been enough movement as far as this prosecutor for Lewis's taste, so it's time to to kick things into higher gear now. That's right. What do they do? Well, Lewis says, "Hey, I want you to cut his thumb off mm -hmm. and send it to the prosecutor at the courthouse." And uh, how long does it take them to reject the idea that they're going to cut his thumb off? Way too long. Like probably like another twenty minutes of screen time. <laughs> It's the next morning, and who shows up? Just everyone apparently knows where Gili yeah. lives. R Ricky's girlfriend shows up because I guess Ricky, the the professional who you know you turn to when you want to make sure the job gets done right, told her crazy ex girlfriend where the guy's apartment was that she was working with. So she just shows up. And apparently they just had a breakup and things are not mm -hmm. going well. And no. her ex-girlfriend is, is, you know, not in a very good place emotionally. And apparently. they have an argument. They Would have you an be argument. if you found out you were in this movie? <laughs> if I found out that my girlfriend had left me to be in Geely, I'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, so they argue for about three minutes. And then she says, I'm going to kill myself. And then she goes into the kitchen and immediately slices her wrists open and they're like oh shit and then that's they're at the funny. hospital Isn't that's that hilarious funny, oh suicide attempts are always funny and what then a they nuanced go to a betrayal of a lesbian character <laughs> it's it's so sensitive and so multi-layered mm -hmm. and so clever and witty and yeah um so they go to the hospital and ricky 
checks her crazy ex-girlfriend into the hospital and she's like okay they stitched you up or whatever i'm out of here bye and uh goes back out into the car where Gili and brian are waiting and she's like hey you know um i just checked my crazy ex-girlfriend into the hospital because she just tried to kill herself and i think maybe we shouldn't cut brian's thumb off what do you think and Gili says yeah i guess not yeah right so what are we going to do let's break into the hospital where there are no security cameras at all and uh, go, go down to the morgue and let's just cut off some dead guy's finger just and, hack off a random thumb mm-hmm, and we'll send that to lewis and that'll shut him the fuck up and they do that right and it takes way too long to do that but yes mm-hmm. they do that yes then they go back to the apartment and for no real apparent reason jennifer lopez wants to have sex with Gili now yeah yep in one of the worst invitations to sex i have ever seen in my entire life the yes. exact dialogue is it's turkey time and he goes duh like anyone would <laughs> like anyone like would in that way any minute, person would and then she follows it up by, you know, gesturing towards her pusey and saying, <laughs> gobble, gobble, get it, get, get it, get it. Cause they're in, they're in love now. Here's what I, here's what I hate about that scene. Other than everything about it, <laughs> every um, single moment of it. So their earlier conversation and one of the just endless pointless awful monologues that these characters have it's about basically it's jennifer lopez's character giving this long-winded explanation justification philosophizing about why lesbians are just as valid as you know heterosexuals and why you know and it's and it's like you know if you were if you really loved women and if you were a real man you would eat pussy like us lesbians do right and mm-hmm. then that's the gun so then they're they're about to have sex and she goes okay gobble gobble time to show me what you got and then they have sex and he doesn't do that no he doesn't, he doesn't do even that. he doesn't even act like he's going to they don't even tease it they don't it's like well what the wait a minute what the f- they just they and they and the sex scene is basically just them rolling taking turns rolling on top of each other it's one of the most laughably awful poorly staged poorly choreographed sex scenes i've ever seen for two people in, in a life. relationship who have no chemistry together on screen they just they it's literally just them rolling back and forth two or three times and then that's mm-hmm. it it's like what the f- what the fuck was that <laughs> what was that nobody knows I don't, I don't think they knew. I think I once think, yeah, when the editor walked up bleary eyed <laughs> and said, I'm I might I'm gonna quit. I'm quitting. I've I've done this. And they showed it. Nobody knew what, what it was. They did they like, looked at what? it and they said, What what happened? What is happened? it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be sexy? Is it supposed to be tender? What is it? What is it? What is it? <laughs> and they said, don't worry, right after this, we have the Al Pacino scene, and that'll save the movie. Oh, and sure it will. Next morning, he gets a call. Lewis is pissed because it's not the guy's thumb. Duh. Because apparently the federal prosecutor fingerprinted the thumb that was supposed to be. Oh, but we don't know that yet. We don't no, learn we don't that, that information. Oh, that, that's right. That's the... That's the only... Again, just like with the Christopher Walken scene, that's the only piece of information that this scene exists to give us. And we have to sit through this fucking 10 minute. It's longer than that. Perform. Yeah, you're right. I think it is longer. It's, I think it's probably the, the longest single scene in the movie. And the, scene, and the movie is, and the movie is nothing but 
endless scenes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have to sit through Al Pacino doing his one man show mm-hmm. until he finally gets to the point where the big climax is the fingerprint was the wrong one. Right. <laughs> like that's okay. So that's what we've been sitting here waiting for. Mm-hmm. I, I probably could have guessed that's what it was, but now I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he kills Lewis. And he kills Lewis. He kills apropos, Lewis. Apropos of nothing, he just shoots him. Um, we get a nice shot of the aquarium fish eating his brains. Eating his cute. brains? Um, <laughs> and then, At least somebody's happy. And then, proving that he is the dumbest mob boss, Jennifer Lopez manages to convince him somehow that instead of killing them, that they will kill Brian, right? Yes, yes. And then if that doesn't work, they can discuss it later. Now, there was a point in this monologue that I thought Al Pacino was talking about that maybe he's tired of the whole thing and then he commits suicide. That would be the end of the threat. Right. Right. I thought, oh, that, that'd be on par with the humor in this movie is if he just yeah. stuck the gun directly in his mouth and blew his brains yeah. out right in front of him. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. But no, we have to we have to rely on the acting ability of Jennifer Lopez trying to convince Al Pacino. Don't don't worry, we'll kill the we'll kill the guy, the witness. We'll yeah. kill Brian. And everything will And be he just fine. lets them go. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. just like he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. The he crazy mob boss who just murdered a guy is like, yeah, you know what? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so they get away. They're not gonna kill Brian. Of course they're not, right? Although Gili does have to ask. Yeah. But they do dumb. do the next bet. Be- they may as well have killed Prime. Um, <laughs> as they're as they're driving along the beach, they pass something that looks like a Baywatch set. Brian wants to go down and look at it because he gets really excited because he thinks it's the Baywatch. They let him go down there. He wanders onto the set. He's talking to people. Gili and 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 Ricky are or. Yeah, well, yeah. Geely and Ricky are talking more about stuff that I could not give a shit about and did not remember. Um, he gets a he makes a phone call on a payphone about something. Do you remember what that was about? He he call he calls the courthouse to tell them where Brian is. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Because I had forgotten that, and I thought they just abandoned him there. <laughs> they just abandoned him there at the at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. The apparent. Yeah. The the prosecutors. I guess somebody from the courthouse is going to be by at some mm-hmm. point to pick up Brian. No hurry though, because this scene takes forever after that point and no cops, nobody shows mm-hmm. up, but you know, they decide they're uh, Ricky and Dicky decide that they're going to go their separate ways. <laughs> right. She kisses him. Um, Brian talks to some people on the beach who don't go, Oh no, this, this guy definitely needs some help. We need to yeah. find that they don't immediately go to a production assistant and go, this guy wandered on here and he obviously yeah. needs help. He hasn't nope. been here all day. He's not one of the extras that was hired for this. He's not dressed in beach attire, but yeah. somehow he's in the scene, you know, dressed like a 12 year old boy, hop jumping up and down. Cause he's so happy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, she drives off and we're like, Oh, please. Thank God it's over. And, you know, you see Gili walking away and then she drives up again, right? Yeah, she picks him up because I guess she's going to they're going to they're, they're going to be together. 
Maybe, she says, you know, know, you would look really good in mascara because she's a lesbian. Yeah, and she's been Is kind that... of like teasing him slash implying that maybe he's gay or he has like a feminine side. Or Again, none of this goes anywhere or means anything. So it's it's hard to even judge it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they drive away and the movie's over. <laughs> we did it. It takes, it takes Jason four hours to get up off the floor. Four hours. Jesus. I can't. I make mistakes on this show. Yeah, we all do. This you know? is, I know, I know, but Jesus Christ, do. I knew it was bad. I knew it was pretty bad. And its reputation was that it was God awful. Right. But I didn't know God awful could be this God awful. <laughs> Steve. Yes, my friend. <laughs> tell me what you think <laughs> about Gili. Oh boy. Um, I can't remember ever seeing a film with so much misplaced confidence in itself. Mm -hmm. There is so much wrong with this movie. <laughs> it is nothing but a series of catastrophic miscalculations, but I think everything can be reduced to that. Martin Brest and these actors seem convinced that they're making something great. And that confidence radiates. Except, except for the guest stars. Well, that's true. But that the confidence that they're making something great. Christopher Walken is doing everything but looking directly at the camera with pleading eyes. He's trying <laughs> so hard to do something with that nothing scene. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't get there, but God damn it, he tries. Um, but they, they, they have this confidence that radiates from every frame of this movie, but never for one second does the movie earn that confidence. Mm -hmm. This is a movie where <laughs> characters talk and talk and talk and somehow never manage to say anything nope. interesting or meaningful. Um, like sometimes you watch a bad movie and you're kind of watching it like through your fingers and you're cringing at how awful it is. But I have to say watching Gigli and this is, you know, this is the first and trust me, only time I've ever seen this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though it was awful, I watched it in a kind of awestruck disbelief. Mm -hmm. Like every time one of these characters goes into one of those endless overwritten self-congratulatory monologues they'd get to the end and i would be staring at the tv and i'd think to myself holy shit they really thought they were making an elmore leonard movie they really thought yeah they thought that they or were your tarantino you mentioned tarantino. That, that martin Bress thought he was writing a tarantino movie like it's it's literally that like they think that's what this is and it's just not mm -hmm. um the script is so bad that I actually I find it hard to put too much blame on the actors. Because mm -hmm. um, here's the thing: we can talk about their their merits as as performers, uh, whether or not Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are good actors or are capable of being good actors. But w regardless of your opinion of their talents, they do seem to be throwing themselves into this. Mm -hmm. um, they're not phoning it in; like they showed up to work. Um, sure and and they're trying to create compelling characters and perform this dialogue in an entertaining and interesting way and they seem to be under the impression that they're succeeding <laughs> which is like the saddest part like oh jesus they really seem like they think they're doing a good job <laughs> um, poor jennifer lopez who i mentioned she's been in out of sight which is a real elmore leonard movie mm -hmm. and a great one 
like if anybody hasn't seen that, I highly recommend Out of Sight. It's terrific. It came out in I think ninety five or ninety six. Okay. Or no, ninety eight. It came out in ninety eight. So five years before this, she was in a really great movie that is exactly the kind of movie that this movie is desperately trying to be. Mm -hmm. um, and here she's stuck with all of these monologues that are supposed to be thoughtful or philosophical mm -hmm. or poetic, and they're just fucking tedious. Mm -hmm. And her character comes across as like in love with the sound of her own voice yep. and entirely too convinced of her own wisdom and eloquence. It's just they're trying awful. to make her self-possessed, you know, like that's the attempt. Yes. Hyper intelligent, very wise. And why is she working for the mob? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then on the other end of that spectrum is Affleck as Gili, who I think we're supposed to take as like having a working class kind of charm. You know, he's mm -hmm. like a guy with a tough exterior, but he's a softy underneath. But he just comes across as a belligerent oaf most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like he's a genuinely off-putting character for this he's awful. For almost this entire movie he's awful he's abusive he's mean he's dumb he's just there's nothing charming or likable about him mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're supposed to i guess sympathize with him because lewis is such an asshole and he works for lewis mm -hmm. and he gets no respect but like he's such a shitty person <laughs> <laughs> that it's impossible to have any sympathy like he's being just so impatient and abusive with brian like immediately mm -hmm. it's hard to have any sympathy for him mm -hmm. because like it's like I, yeah okay you don't get any respect he from your boss him, you have kind he, of a yeah he calls him a retard at one point yeah, yeah. and you have you and, have the ricky character going stop it don't do that to him and it's like well he did it we had to watch it in this comedy yeah. That you put and, forward. And again, that would have been an opportunity to show us that Jennifer Lopez's character is actually a badass who is not to be trifled with. Mm -hmm. And and what do they do? Because there, yeah, there's that scene where he throws Brian up against the wall and he's yelling at him and saying, I know you understand me, just act normal. And that's when Ricky kind of confronts him and says, Hey, you know, stop treating him that way. And she says, uh, if you if you if you talk to him that way again, I'll kill you. Yeah, she, she and Geely and Geely kind of, you know, steps up to her and says, oh, fuck you. You're not going to kill anybody. Fuck, you know, and he like kind of gets tough with her. And mm -hmm. instead of instead of doing anything to shut him up or, you know, humble him or whatever, she just says again, I'll kill you. And I guess we're supposed to think that it's like intimidating mm -hmm. or, you know, like that's just what of a that's how much of a badass she is. She doesn't even have to do anything. All she has to do is say it and we believe it. But I don't believe it. There's I have no, re you know, it doesn't. I'm if I were Gili, I wouldn't be scared of her. Mm -mm. I, what has I, she I, done? I, Nothing. What has she done? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess like we're supposed to be invested in whether or not the two of them get together. But like, I don't give a shit. Like, why do he I wants, give a shit? He wants to fuck her the minute he sees her. Yeah. For the most part. He has this complaint later on in the movie. I have oh, this beautiful, intelligent this beautiful girl yeah. who's sleeping right next to me and I can't do anything about it because she's plot contrivanced as a lesbian. You poor guy. Like, and am I, I really supposed to feel bad for you? Mm hmm. 
Anyway, keep going. Keep you're just, an asshole. You're, an, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> you're an asshole. I don't feel bad for you. And then, yeah, there's Justin Bartha as Brian. The best I can say about that is at least it wasn't any worse. I mean, yeah. it's ter- it's awful the way it is. And we, we went through it when you were going through the beginning there, like it, the, the stereotyping and, and, and the, the, mm-hmm. the way that the character is treated and we're basically just watching mostly Gili, occasionally Lewis, just abuse this person who is supposed to be developmentally disabled. Mm-hmm. And I, I, because it's funny, I don't, or because know. we're supposed to want Affleck to not do it to become mm-hmm. a better person. And but it's like it's just it's unpleasant to watch. It doesn't really go anywhere. But like, given how bad the movie is, I guess we can count our blessings that it wasn't any worse than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's How could this, it get much worse? Yeah. I, get, yeah, I mean, between its treatment of 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 gay people, its treatment of people with with you know um, mental handicaps, its general yeah. treatment of human beings, <laughs> its general I mean, misan uh, misanthropy. It's mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. I mean, whose I mean, side are we supposed to be on? I hated Gili the minute I met him, and he never he never. You know. He never gave you any reason not to hate him. Yeah, there's like, and and it's like he's an asshole until he's until he's supposed to not be an asshole. Like there's a, there's there's a scene that he has when it's him and him and Brian are in the car alone while Ricky is in the hospital with her girlfriend, and Gili all of a sudden like has softened toward Brian. And yeah, he's kind of for looking, no reason. And he's kind of yeah for no reason and he kind of looks at him kind of you know sensitively and says you know you have a really good sense of humor after he says that his penis sneezes after he says that his penis sneezes mm-hmm. and that's another thing another like stereotype about you know like uh mentally disabled people like he's a horn dog all he wants to do is go to baywatch we can meet pretty girls and fuck him you know and i guess he's always coming in his pants because he has a phrase for it of what my penis sneezed mm-hmm. it's like oh you fucking guys jesus but um <laughs> so there's um there's a movie called The Indestructible Man that sure is the subject is. That, that is the subject of one of my favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and and there's a scene in that movie where the hero is talking to his love interest while they're having burgers at a drive-in. And it just goes on and on and on to the point where Joel eventually cries out, "Have you no sense of decency? <laughs> Please end this scene." I felt like saying that so many times during mm-hmm. Gili. It's not just the dialogue. It's not just the speeches that go on and on forever. There are so many scenes in this movie that take forever and accomplish nothing or accomplish something that could have been done better in a fraction of the time. Well, Tarantino uses these long when someone's a character is telling a story or something like that. It's, yes. it's, it's a beat for character development. And the, that's the, what is being emulated here, but it's not. There's no character yeah. development in this. No. Okay. No. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, there's no yeah, when Tarantino does it it's yeah, exactly. And and mm-hmm. usually it's it's about it, it, when Tarantino gets into those really long dialogue scenes, by that point in the movie we've gotten to know the character well enough that we're interested in what they have to say. Exactly. It's not just a speech for the sake of a speech. Mm-hmm. Um there's you know we mentioned it when we were going through the summary the the two scenes that are centered on character actually you you mentioned his mother so really there are three scenes like this but i'm gonna highlight the walk-in scene and the pacino scene um because mm-hmm. they both go on forever and they both accomplish absolutely nothing mm-hmm. and 
during those scenes, the <laughs> guest stars, for lack of a better term, um, kind of take over the stage and do their scene. And Gili and Ricky, who are supposedly the main characters of the story, just mm -hmm. kind of sit off to the side and watch. Like, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Walken or Pacino are there doing their thing, just like throwing themselves at this terrible dialogue that sounds like it was written by a fucking film student that has seen all the Tarantino movies, but hasn't mm -hmm. understood any of them. Nope. And, and every once in a while, we cut to a reaction shot of Affleck or Jennifer Lopez. And they're just and they're sitting just, there. They're, they're just sitting there watching. Like, they don't have lines. They don't really even react really mm -hmm. like during that that uh christopher walken scene like he's going crazy as this cop and we keep cutting <laughs> back to ben affleck who is literally just standing there just going just watching i'm like why are we even cutting to him he's not doing anything mm -hmm. and it just goes on and on and on and uh, like the the story is boring and almost perversely uneventful the, mm -hmm. there are these characters don't face any challenges there's never any suspense as to whether or not they're going to get caught or mm -hmm. you know like there's there's the there's nothing there the jokes aren't funny the characters aren't likable or interesting the movie is nope. a massive waste of time mm -hmm. but it thinks it's great yep and and assumes we're hanging on every word these characters are saying Mm -hmm. um, and that ocean-sized gulf between what the movie thinks it is and what it actually is is kind of fascinating to talk about and think about. But unfortunately, the movie still is what it is. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> which is fucking rotten. It's fucking rotten. Mm -hmm. It's one of the worst movies we've ever reviewed for this show, and that yeah. is covering a lot of territory. That's a lot. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm done. Your turn. That's okay. Steve, keep going. <laughs> Don't make me talk about it, please. I know I hate a movie when I start imagining what I would have done while watching it. Right. Mm -hmm. When I start thinking, how, how can, if someone handed me the script, how would I fix it? How would I fix this movie? If someone said, please sunk cost, help. we've, we've put, please we, help. We've put $10 million into development. We can't shoot this. This is unfilmable. Yeah. And, and they said, please fix it. And I started thinking of the ways that I would fix it. And, you know, everything that you just said about the, the movie, I agree with. It's pointless meandering, not funny. None of the characters are likable. Some of the things that are said in the movie are not followed up. You know, Lewis and, and, and Ricky both say that he's a fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. We don't see that. Do he we? never really fucks anything up. No, he's just an right? asshole. He only gets yeah. half of the money from the laundry guy. And that's about it. Right. And the thumb thing. Right. But like, you know, and this is supposed to be a comedy, <laughs> right? It is supposed yes. to be a comedy. That, yes. Right? So we know all the problems with the script. We know all the problems with everything else. And what I would have done is, oh, okay, it's a comedy. That opening shot within the laundromat, right? Mm -hmm. Rajili's trying to get the money out of the guy. You know, the guy, so oh, it's hidden over there. It's in the last machine. You have to take the barrel out. And while Gili's trying to do it, the lawn, you know, the, the dryer turns on, you know, and the money starts to catch on fire, which then in turn sets the laundromat on fire. And he yeah. runs out, but then runs back in again because we want to establish that Gili has kind of a conscious, con you know, and mm -hmm. he goes in and he saves the guy who's also on a tumble cycle, 
and he yeah. and he and he pulls him out and they they're pulling out and everything's on fire you you write some sort of punchline in there and Geely has to go back to his boss and he goes where's the money and yeah. he has to tell him it's burnt up i didn't yeah. you know i didn't it, it just happened and he goes how many times are you I, I, you only got a few more fuck ups Geely, yeah. and that's it number one i never would have yeah. i never would have set this in la right i would have no set, reason for it to be other than the fact that they shot it in la there's no reason for it to take new, place in la at all new jersey new jersey you put it in new jersey number two i would have cast anybody except ben affleck i would have cast anybody and the character would be a well-intentioned someone who's trying to be an enforcer for the mob but just doesn't have it he's too he's too tender-hearted yeah he's He's too nice yeah he's he's you know he, he comes off as a tough guy but you know there's something riding on this he gets a warning you fuck this up and you say it like this, I don't have anybody else to put on this, but I need you to do it. Okay. Same thing, federal prosecutor, younger brother, whatever. Right. And you cast somebody like Tony Soprano as Gili. Yeah. Older guy, or maybe one of the side characters from it. Yeah. Like pussy, anybody, someone who has so, comedic, yeah. someone who has comedic chop. Joe Pesci. Put Joe Pesci. Oh as my the God, Gili imagine guy. Joe Pesci in this fucking right? Mike Starr. Mike, oh, Mike Starr, you could do that too, or make Mike Starr Lewis, right? Sure. You have, you Why isn't Mike Starr in this it? movie somewhere? Mike Starr should have been in this movie somewhere, right? You know, <laughs> the mob boss, the front is a bait shop or something like that. Yeah, know? sure. And so you have the, you know, you have the Gili character. He goes in, he finds the the person who has the mental handicap, and um, he easily gets him out he thinks this is going to be great but he you know (laughs) he starts destroying his life almost immediately and he does take him to a warehouse he doesn't take him to his house he He takes him to to his apartment yeah and then the the love interest shows up and it's the boss's girlfriend and she says something like lewis made me made me come down here to make sure that you're treating the kid good because we don't want him roughed up we want him to be able to return the hole and in place so we're going to make sure he gets enough to eat not i'm super badass and i've got you know all this stuff you know i've got yeah i read philosophy books you know one of the funny things in pulp fiction was that vincent vega was constantly shown reading these kind of you know elevated you know books right yes which is kind of a joke for vincent right because he's a dipshit He's a dipshit enforcer who yeah. is a heroin addict, right? Yeah. yeah. But he's always reading these kind of lofty ideal books yeah. whenever you cut to him. And in fact, that's how he dies. You know, he's he, reading it on the toilet he, and he gets, yeah, reading, exactly. He's reading it on the shitter. So you, you have the girlfriend show up. She says, you know, he wants me to make sure that everything's okay. This should only take a couple of days. They meet. They have meaningful interactions with one another. Right. Where Gili says something along the lines of, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm never going to be a made guy. And everything I everything I seem to try to do, I fuck up. Cut to outside the warehouse where Christopher Walken's character is having one of those monologues that is actually funny to his partner because they're surveilling. They're, they've surveilled this guy. Right? right. They're listening in. They're listening in. He doesn't show up to a fucking apartment as a police detective and go, I don't know. Have you heard anything? And it's like, where is this coming from? 
who is this yeah. person, right? Yeah. So you make it so that there's hijinks of, you know, because he's soft-hearted, he wants to take Brian out so that he can get out, get something to eat. They have to hide him, right? They have to hide him from the cops who are constantly tailing him, you know, because they're around for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Right? And um, you just, you strip Baywatch out completely. Just strip yeah. it out. It is such a dated reference at this point. Yeah. But I mean, you make it so that the the Gili character develops over time. There's no the big the big conflict between Gili and Ricky is that Ricky is in is in a loveless relationship with with Lewis. And they start he starts developing feelings for the boss's daughter, which is a guaranteed bullet in the head, you know, if yeah. you're in the mob. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Standard, straightforward stuff. We get it. We don't have to insult all gay people all over the world <laughs> for this contrivance, right? Yeah. There's high hijinks entailed, you know, ensue. You know, they they basically do the same things. They meet the mob boss, they get out of it, not maybe through their own ingenuity, but through more than likely hijinks, right? Or maybe Lewis and Starkman kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> something happens yeah some something happens they get away and they drop brian off in front of the home that they picked him up on and what he immediately does is he takes a cell phone out because he's been an undercover fbi agent the entire time <laughs> they anticipated them trying to kidnap and they placed him <coughs> they wanted him on the inside but because he realizes that geely is a is not a threat and is leaving the mob and <clears throat> develops some sort of tie. They say, what about Gili? Should we go pick him up? And he goes, no, nah, he's harmless. Right. There we go. Nice ending to the character, you know, nice ending for the Brian character. Gili, you know, they, they take on and they leave. And it's basically the same thing, except comedy things happen. Right. Yeah. No comedy things happen in this movie. No, there are no funny situations. Nope. No funny there dialogue. Are no, yeah, there, there are no anything that seemed like uh, other other than Affleck talking to himself in the mirror where he's being like a total clown. Mm -hmm. There's not there's nothing that reads as we want you to laugh at this. What's amazing to me is that there was an original script that got reworked into a romantic comedy and and the director just didn't walk. Yeah. He must have been either desperate for uh, work. I don't know. But he just he stayed with it. And then he must have read the script and went, what the fuck is this? Yeah. How, why? Why does? Why is this scene nineteen pages long while one of them does yoga and the other one leans up against a fireplace and just listens and just listens? Doesn't, really doesn't talk. Doesn't yeah, interact. Yeah. You know, nothing she's saying is terribly deep or insightful, or it doesn't. We're supposed to think it is. We're supposed to think it is. Well, we didn't, and it doesn't <laughs> appear that. It doesn't appear that Gilly picked up anything on it or learns or grows or does anything, right? No. You could even have it that Gilly goes to, in my version, Gilly does go to jail. And the person that does visit him all the time is Brian, who's working on his behalf to get him out early. Sure. And Ricky, then Ricky's coming to visit him, right? And it's a kind of happy ending, but he's serving time because he was working for the fucking mob. And, and yeah. You know, you have something happen where the characters grow. What's let me ask you a question. Aside from not being a lesbian anymore, what is the character arc 
for Ricky. There's nothing. No. But well, it's one of the well, that's one of the annoying things about that character is we're we're meant to think at least that she's got everything figured out, and apparently that's what we're supposed to think. Like, because she doesn't mm -hmm. learn anything, she doesn't change anything about herself. She doesn't mm -mm. like the, she she has no arc at all. She just mm -hmm. she starts the movie being the smartest character and has everything figured out and has all the answers and has all these little speeches she can give mm -hmm. that explain everything and put everything in this poetic context. And it's like and that's just her for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Imagine it. if it was the girlfriend character. She comes over and she finds out that Brian is eating cereal for dinner and she's got the whole, oh, my God, you can't do that. You got to make him something to eat. And she she brings all this stuff and she's starting to cook and he's trying to cook with her. And she's like, get the fuck away from here. You don't know what you're doing. Cooking is, is, is an expression of love and you have no love in your heart. And he's like, I have yeah. love in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there's like one thing that he knows how to cook and eventually he makes it or something mm -hmm. like there's there's there's, you know, there's and places Brian you could have gone. And Brian likes it because, you know, it's Lisa's not cereal. Yeah. And, you know, you find out that Ricky, you know, doesn't love Lewis anymore, that originally she did and she pictured him and family, but Ricky doesn't want family. And she comes from a big family, a big Italian family, and that's what she's always pictured, but it's never worked out. And she, you know, that you have characters and she doesn't really trust anybody anymore because of Lewis's job. And yeah. you give her something to grow from point A to point B. That she, Ricky doesn't have any of that. No. You know, she's almost a magic pixie girlfriend, right? Yeah. Except and, she's in it too much to be that. <laughs> and did they literally say, hey, what other Ben Affleck movie is really popular? Oh, Chasing Amy. Oh, isn't that the one where he converts a girl oh. into heterosexuality? Yeah. Well, let's put it let's in this that. one. Let's have him do it again. Let's have him do it again. How? Should we make this? Should we make it funny like that one? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't find that movie funny. Oh, I love chasing Amy. I love I, chasing Amy. Yeah, I, I, I it is very problematic. It is very problematic for the way the the gay characters are treated. But it's I I as yeah, I as the them. son of lesbians, I did not find it humorous. <laughs> That's not all. how that works. No. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I did not find that humorous. Um, we're going to have to do a review on it eventually, but yeah, uh, I think so. But I mean, everything, all of these problems, you know, you would think in Hollywood with the people that were working on it, that they could fix the script before it was filmed yeah. or after it was filmed, just all commit seppuku because they know <laughs> that they, even if they edited it together, it still wouldn't be good. Maybe after they edit together and they see it, they go, oh, no, there's no life left for us and just not release it. What you know what? I'm sure there are plenty of bodies buried in the desert around Los Angeles. But oh, so yeah. The original film stock could go in one of those graves. Somebody. Could, just... Well, like 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 you said early at the beginning, like, is this one of those movies where they told the theaters to burn the prints? They should have burned them before they sent them to the theaters. Mm -hmm. They should have just burned the negative and said, you know what? Let's just not do this. <laughs> we've lost money on movies before let's just fucking swallow this and we'll try again next time uh, we loaded the cans <laughs> into the projector but the projector um destroyed itself rather than show it, <laughs> it, it the projector became sentient and refused it it gained it, it gained consciousness long enough to kill itself <laughs> because 
it just it refused to be used in this way <laughs> i told you we should have switched out projectors after we after we showed heaven's gate because oh, the projectors God. wouldn't be able to take another bad movie well it took, <laughs> it took 20 years <laughs> i tried to warn you <laughs> No, it's just it's it's awful. It's, it's just awful. awful. Um, awful. On top of everything else that we just said, it's boring. Oh, it's just boring. It's incredibly boring. And so, yeah, Steve, recommend? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Good. Now recommend something, Steve, please. Uh, this was again. We've had these a couple of times. This was an incredibly easy recommend because I'm going to recommend the movie that Geely clearly is trying to be, which is Get Shorty from 1995. I mean, it's that, you know, there are times even when the score for Geely reminds me a little bit of the score from Get Shorty. Mm -hmm. Um, So Get Shorty, based on an Elmore Leonard novel, which Mm -hmm. Geely wasn't, but thinks it is, um, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, starring John Travolta, and Gene Hackman, and Rene Russo, and Danny DeVito, and Delroy Lindo, and James Gandolfini, who you said suggested mm-hmm. might have been a better choice for Gigli than Ben mm-hmm. Affleck. Can't can't argue there. Hey, uh, if you want to keep if you want to keep Gigli young, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale, fuck yes, he would have been. Oh, oh, just it's yeah, it's. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Dennis Farina, great cast in Get Shorty. It's about uh, a gangster who goes to L.A. and finds himself getting involved in the movie business and decides he would rather be in the movie business than be working for the mob. And mm-hmm. it's funny and it's has characters that are actually fun to watch. And a plot. And it was a plot. It's the first big movie that Travolta made after Pulp Fiction. And so he's in the middle of his big comeback and he's great. And uh, Gene Hackman is great playing uh, a comedic role. Do you have to say Gene Hackman is great? Well, I mean, but he, he, it's, we, I think we talked about this last time that we we wish that Hackman had done more comedy. And I mean, this is an instance where he plays a comedic role and he's hilarious. Um, as is Dennis Farina, as are a lot of these actors who are not typically known for doing comedy and they just kill it. They just knock it out of the park. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's everything Gigli thinks it is, but isn't. So if you want to see this kind of thing done, right, I would highly recommend checking out get shorty, especially even if you've already seen it, check it out again. If you haven't seen it for a while, cause it's a terrific movie. So there you go. That's my recommendation. Well, as you guys know, I like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 2003. And the movie that I'm going to recommend, directed by Tom McCarthy and starring Peter Dinklage, Patricia Clarkson, and Bobby Cannavale. Hey, hey. The Station Agent. Great movie. This movie came out in the same year as fucking Gigli. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen The Station Agent, it, it was the breakout role for Peter Dinklage. This is when he kind of became a name. Um, you know, it's a little independent film, you know, not a whole money was spent on it. And it's about trust and friendship and love and, and trains. Not really. I don't think we see tra- <laughs> I don't think we see train one in the in the movie, do we? I don't think so. Other than a model train. I think that's yeah. that's it. But it's it's great. It's it's funny and quiet and you know there's no it's it's not all the Dermans wrong that you get from you know comedic dramas 
from yeah. Hollywood. Um, it's just good. Nice. You feel good after watching it. Patricia yeah. Clarkson is awesome in this movie. And so is Bobby Cannavale. And now he's gone on to, to be one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just good. The station agent. Go watch it. It's just it, it has a plot, but not something that I can boil down to an elevator pitch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Peter Dinklage is, is awesome and it's and it's way before he became famous. So No, this it, it was one of his sort of pre-Game of Thrones breakout roles. Because mm-hmm. I remember he got a lot of attention for this. You know, yes, but it did. was like but at, at like an independent film level, you know, because he'd been I mean he's been around for forever, but um this was mm-hmm. one of the films where it was like, Oh, this Peter Dinklage guy, you should be paying attention to him. Yeah. Hey yeah. Steve. Yes, Jason. Hey Steve, guess what? What 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 you thought you thought you, I forgot that you have to make terrible choices. And now is the time where I'm going to yes. give you three movies. You don't know yes. which ones they are, and you I have, have to, to make, make a, a blind choice, choice between okay. A, B, and C. Now I'm gonna okay. tell you this right up front. Okay, yes. None of these films are bad. Oh, thank God. That's on purpose because of what we just did. Because we okay. we we we've wandered through the wilderness and now we have made it to the other side. I don't think I have the moral fortitude to do that to my friend. <laughs> I can't say, hey, after this, we're going to watch another shitty movie that makes us feel bad. Good for so, you. Three movies, A, B, or C. They're okay. all technically thrillers. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So please pick away. I'm going to go with C. Okay. C. C. Had you chosen, this is going to make you very happy. It's already oh made boy. me happier. Oh, good. Okay. Had you chosen A, we would have reviewed Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. Good movie. Okay. Had you chosen B, we would have reviewed the Cohen classic Fargo. Oh, great movie. It's good. It's a good movie. Great movie. Yeah. But not as good as this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Better than Fargo. Mm hmm. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna review a movie that got nominations at the Academy Awards, but got beat out by another of this director's movies. Oh my! So he hit two home runs movie wise in the same year. Wow! One of them was The Godfather Part Two. <gasps> oh my! <laughs> the other one is the one that we're going to review next, and it's called The Conversation. Oh yeah, buddy. Speaking of Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to be good. And we've been waiting to review this now for nine yes. years. That's so true. we're yes. finally going to be able to do it. So if you guys want to get, get all the jokes or understand why Steve and I cry trying to describe <laughs> the movie to you, <laughs> then, then please watch the conversation before our next review drops. <sighs> Boy, that feels good to know that we have that. Yes. I have, I Boy, talk a, about a, dizzy, a, a dizzying I, high following a, a lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. Boy. The conversation that has half the cast of Happy Days and, and Harrison Ford. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. Okay, that's it. Thanks, guys, for listening in once again for Late Seating. This is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. Man, you know what I'd love to do right now? Go down to Marie Calendar's. God damn Give me it. a big bowl of pie. A big bowl of pie. Is that what you're going with there, Chris? Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> I know. Put some on your head. 
<laughs> yeah. Your tongue oh. would slap your brains out trying you're to not, get to it. You're not even on the script anymore, are you, Chris? <laughs> Interested? I don't even know what you said. Do you want me to <laughs> I don't even know if you know what you're saying right now. I actually, when I, I, when I chose that line to do that bit, I actually went back and rewatched that part of that scene because I remembered that he went completely nuts when he said that line, but I couldn't, like my brain had erased it. I couldn't remember exactly how he did it. And it's like, mm. oh man, he just fucking went into a, he had an out of body experience yes, he when did. he delivered that line. On purpose because he didn't want yeah. to be anywhere, he didn't I, want I, to be I anywhere he, else. Yeah. I think he disassociated. <laughs> your His tongue person. was slap your brains out trying to get to it. Interested? His personal <laughs> assistant went into his code book and went, okay, P, 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 Pi, slap, slap, slap. Okay, and the marine calendar, slap, 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 slap. Okay, slap your brains out. Please, in the love of God, get me out of this fucking movie. And then she gives a thumbs up to Chris and quickly negotiates, <laughs> negotiates with the producer. This is the only day he's working. They're rewriting it, Chris. You're only going to be in this scene. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think they did very, very many takes with him. I, you know, he, he had to have only been there one day, right? I mean, how could yeah. like it's just it's just this scene. It's literally like he's surprised that the door opened. Yeah, you know, the door opened. Oh, hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just say whatever you want to say. You only need to impart this amount of information. Yeah. Just tell him about it. the prosecutor's brother, and then just riff. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want to do, Chris. You kind of do look like an animal in a trap right now. Could I smash my coffee cup? Yeah, whatever you want. Do whatever you want. <laughs> that looked like that was like some ham actor business. That was like an actor who was like, there's nothing here for me. There's I'm going to fucking do this thing with a coffee cup because at mm -hmm. least I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you if you took that whole Marie Callender's thing, yeah, and you sat him in a squad car while he's or a van while yeah. he's while he's looking at the apart, you know, the warehouse where they're keeping the dude, and you give him a you give him a partner that has heard this shit, yeah, probably a million times, and he just launches into a big, you know, he's improving it. He said a big bowl, a of bowl pie. of pie. You know how you eat pie by the bowl and then put it on your head and your tongue will slap <laughs> your will, brains out, trying slap to slap your to brains it. out, trying to get to it. Like, wait a minute. So I'm putting it, are, I'm putting it on my own head and driving what? myself crazy or what? <laughs> what I like I'm is driving my tongue crazy. Is that the lawyer on set immediately had to rush off stage and call Marie Callender's and said, okay, we have a line in here about Marie Callender's pies. We want to know if we, if it's okay that we can keep it in. Well, yeah. what, what is Are you going to like, are you, you going to give us any shit about this? Because what was said? And he's like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a line from Christopher Walken. Oh, he's a very good actor. Yeah, I know. And he yeah. said some, something about your tongue slapping your brain out to get a, to a bowl of pie and then the marie calendars people had to get their lawyers together <laughs> okay it sounds like complimentary because i guess you really want it so it must be good but it's like but, said by a mental patient <laughs> but it does yeah like we're not sure 
<laughs> if it will be received as a positive thing in the context of did the he, film. Did he say which kind of pie? You know, we have several different varieties he, of pie. He, he just it, said a bowl was, of was pie. It, well, maybe we could launch, you know, along with the release of Gili, bowl of pie. A, a um, pie bowl, sure. Yeah, a pie bowl, the Gili bowl. We just the need Gili, to know the Gili bowl. We need to know what kind of pie it is. Is it berry? Is it Dutch apple? Maybe we can create a a new kind of a new kind of pie for Gili. You know, if we really want to marry ourselves to the to the movie, can they send the script? I'll ask. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming over the fax machine now. Just hand it to me page by page. I want to. Oh, read oh it. no! Oh dear God! Oh, never mind. Oh no. They're saying it's too late. They can't change it. You know what you know you know what it was? Originally it was the Cheesecake Factory, but they refused, so they, they went to Marie Callender's <laughs> after that. No one's gonna tell Walken that. Walken, no. you can't use the Cheesecake Factory. Why what? not? <laughs> it's crazy. He get this huge argument. We want you to change it to Marie Callender's. They're okay with it. But Marie Callender's doesn't have good pie. <laughs> you don't want me to lie and say that the, the pie is good. Cheesecake Factory has good pie. Acting is about truth. <laughs> what if we make it a Sarah Lee pie? I'm sure we can get the Sarah Lee people. It's a frozen pie. It's a frozen pie. I don't think so. <laughs> On a detective salary. When I grew up, I when I grew up, my mother made a pie. She didn't defrost one. That's not cooking. That's just leaving something on the counter. I'm not going to do that. Please, Chris, please. You're only supposed to be here. What if it wasn't a single day? The, what if it was, a, it was, it, it was, it was like a weeks. week because they had to keep fighting him for this one Marie Callender's reference. It was two weeks worth of shooting. They're getting to this one scene where he has to describe, for whatever reason, describe eating a pie. And, and it didn't even start off as a pie. It was undescribed food item. And if you could improvise something here, Chris, that would be great. And it's like, I've got some ideas. And he, he, he you know, goes in. It's like when you pet a cat, it's so smooth. Your fingers want to jump off your hands and tickle the cat until it's dead. No, that's okay. <laughs> Hey, that's weird. Oh, okay. That's weird. Can we make it can we make it about food or something like that? Sure. Sure, no problem. You ever have a Salisbury steak that was so good that you slit your mother's throat and yelled at her about having no, given cut. birth to <laughs> No, not that, Chris. Not that. Can we talk can we just please can we talk it down from there? All right. I'll think of something else. Please someone give him a note. <laughs> just give him somewhere to go with it like i don't even know what he's doing this is three days on this one scene already i don't i don't know what to do and the lawyer's like well at least he's not mentioning any product names did <laughs> <laughs> they look over and walk and stare and right <laughs> <laughs> he's just staring at products interesting <laughs> <laughs> you ever eat a little debbie's cake oh no stop. <laughs> oh god no they'll never go for it you just want to slip your dick in it and fuck it. It's so good. Stop, please. Stop. Why? Why, Chris? Why? You ever want to stick your dick in a little Debbie cake? Maybe he's sitting at home still thinking of, of, of alternate he's, takes for that that's, one scene. It's like his great his great regret as an actor is that he couldn't get that perfect reference in that Geely scene. Yeah. You know, uh, Martin Bress is 
finally calmed down. He's at home. He's like, finally, he's had a, almost a whole day where he hasn't had to think of, of Healy, right? And he gets a phone call. Okay, how about this? <laughs> it's like, no! About a, you said frozen pie. What about a Swanson's TV dinner? <laughs> how about <What>? this? <laughs> Big Mac is so good. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it, literally. With my dick. <laughs> With my dick. <laughs> Let's just have a movie about that. The, 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 the incredibly long day of having Christopher Walken improvise <laughs> four or five lines of dialogue. And that's the, that's the best take that they could that's, use. That's the angle for the remake of My Favorite Year. <laughs> it's... The legendary actor who's like keeps who keeps wanting to improv speeches where he's describing having sex with foods, and they're like, no, 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 we can't do that. <laughs> oh God! All right, we need to we need to go. This is the weirdest tangent we've ever gone on. I love it, and we could do it forever, but we're not going to subject but everybody to it. We won't. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.